Good to see you guys in Northern California, home of the world champion, Golden State Warriors. Congratulations. And uh, somebody's mom is calling. Go ahead and answer that. It's important. Man, what an honor and a privilege to be here. And uh, I truly do love your pastors. If, um, if this is your home church, you just got to know you're so blessed. Uh, what God is doing here in you and through you and for you is literally being talked about all over the world. Uh, people are just so excited to hear about what God is doing at Fellowship and, and through Pastor Sean. And um, how many are just so grateful for your pastors? Can I hear an amen? And Diana. And it's awesome. And so, uh, so it's a privilege to be here. Um, I just moved literally three weeks ago to Las Vegas, Nevada to plant a church. How many think Vegas needs one or two or 300 more churches? Come on, somebody. And I know y'all go, but you don't go to gamble. You just go to pray. Amen, amen, amen. So if you're ever there on one of your prayer journeys, come visit us at church. I will not ask what you did the night before. I'll just welcome you with open arms. So we're, we're just starting our church. Please pray for us. Pray for uh, my wife and I as we begin uh, this journey. And I think I might have a picture of my wife and my baby we are just celebrating, uh, here she is, seven months. Oh, come on, she's cute, y'all. Seven months of, uh, July she'll be eight months, and that's my wife. We're celebrating in August. We'll celebrate 11 years of marriage. I know I look 13. Just didn't get any facial hair, okay? But uh, so, so uh, we're blessed, and, and it's an honor to be here. First Samuel chapter 17, if you have a Bible, if you don't, don't worry about it. It'll come up on the screen for you. Uh, this is 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 32. And um, I'm, a, uh, I'm a preacher, I'm a Mexican, and I'm a Pentecostal. Now, if you don't know what any of those are, you just need to know that's a loud combo, okay? So uh, as I'm preaching, if you feel like, man, that was good, you could say, man, you could say that was for my husband, that was for my neighbor, that was for my wife. No, man, don't ever say that. Uh, but you can, you can shout me down. I, I will not be uncomfortable by it, okay? So you can, you can holler back at me. First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Notice the faith that Saul has in his enemy. He says he's been a man... Since he was a kid. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I've done this to lions. I've done this to bears. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. How many know David had an attitude? All right. He is... <laughs> Verse 37, our key verse this morning. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the claws of the bear, he will rescue me from this Philistine. Uh, one more scripture. You don't have to turn there, but Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man, a man after my own heart. Heart. One more time, verse 37, just because. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will 
rescue me from this Philistine. I want to talk for just a few moments uh, from the subject, the Lord who rescued me will rescue me. The Lord who rescued me will rescue me. Why don't you preach to your neighbor real quick. Say, the Lord who rescued you. Can you tell them that? Okay, wait. They didn't get their coffee. Look at the other neighbor. Say, <laughs> I don't know if they were stuck up or just tired or hung over. Look at the other neighbor. Tell them, the Lord who rescued you will rescue you. All right. That one was a little friendlier. Father, I thank you for your grace, and I thank you for the anointing to preach the word that you said something supernatural happens when a man or woman of God begins to declare the scripture. You said it's, it's foolish to our minds, and yet it's supernatural to our spirits. So I'm praying that in these next few moments, you would do what I cannot do, what a motivational talk cannot do, what, what man cannot do. Holy Spirit, I pray you would take these words and do something with us. I thank you, Jesus, that you love us. You are for us. You are with us. And you have a plan for every life in this room. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. I, I am amazed at the scripture and especially at Acts chapter 13. This has been a scripture that has amazed me for, for so long in my life. God says, I found a man. This lets me know that God is looking. That when I was not looking for God, He was looking for me. Uh, when, I, when, when I was in no position to see God, He saw me. That when I was literally blind in my sin, deaf in my sin, dumb in my sin, dead in my sin, uh, Jesus found me. Jesus called me and Jesus had a plan for my life. How many know that we did not find Jesus? Because a dead man can't find nothing. <laughs> but God found us. And this encourages me. It, I've, been, I've been serving God now for 18 years. I've been, I've been preaching for about 10 years. And, and still this amazes me. God found me. God called me. That, that where I am in life is not my idea, but it's a God idea. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord, they look. And, and by the way, God is not looking for good people because they don't exist. <laughs> Even at an 8.30 service. Ain't nobody good. God isn't looking for strong people. The, the person you think is strong is simply a weak person that has found strength uh, in Christ. God is not looking for people who have it all together. There's, there's no such thing. The person that was really worshiping on your row that got a little loud, made you a little uncomfortable, it's not that they're super spiritual. It's just that they found out that where their source is and how much they really need Jesus. They're not better than anybody else. They actually know how bad they really are. So God isn't looking for perfect people. God isn't looking for people who have it all together. God is looking for people in their weakness and in their brokenness and in their fear and in their failures and with their past. This is the God that we serve. He said, he said I found David. That means he knows my name and he knows your name. And, he, and when he finds us, he's not looking to see if we're naughty or nice. This is not Santa Claus. Because he actually already knows we're naughty. But rather, he, he, he finds us, and he knows us, and he calls us. Because he said, David's going to do something. David's going to do something for me. So that means that whenever God finds me, 
He was looking for me. Whenever God finds me, he already knows my name. By the way, he knows my last name. So he knows all the junk in my family tree. And he's not intimidated by it. And not only does he know me, but then he, he calls me. He, he does something with my life. This is the God that we serve. And, and when, I, when I think about this, we, we can see how one man can bring so much pain, so much devastation to the earth through violence or through a drunk driving accident or through terrorism or, or all the different things that can happen. Now, one man, one woman full of darkness can bring so much pain to the earth if if that is true for darkness, how much more can the people of light choose to do something that brings healing and hope and change and life to a community? Come on, somebody. If one man can hurt a community, what could a whole church do to bring the light of Jesus right here to Northern California and to Antioch? Can I hear an amen from somebody? But see, life is all about choices. We choose life or we choose death. I know that's strong language, but it's Bible language. We, we choose Jesus or we choose the world. We, we choose God's way and God's word or we'll end up choosing the world's way. See, really this story that we've heard so many times about David and Goliath is really a story about choices. It's about a young man that had to make a choice. See, on that day, David did not know he was going to have to fight Goliath. David was actually the first Pizza Hut delivery boy. Read your Bible. It's in there in the Hebrew. No, I'm just kidding. But the Bible said that David did not go that day to fight. David actually went that day with bread and cheese. Thank you, Lord. Carbs and dairy. Can we just, just amen. Just amen. Just keep your kale salad. I'll take a quesadilla any day. I know I'm going to pay for it later. I don't even care about it. David... David comes and he brings, he brings bread and cheese. He had no idea on that day that he was going to fight. Let me just say this, friend. We don't always choose our fight. Yeah. Huh. I've got news for you. I hope it doesn't discourage you, but, but you don't choose your giant. Your giant chooses you. David did not choose Goliath. Goliath chose him. See, David did not choose his fight. But hear me, friend. David had to make a choice to fight. See, I don't always get to choose the things that come in my life. But I do have to make a choice. What do I do when this comes? I didn't choose that doctor's report. I didn't choose to get laid off from work. I didn't, I didn't choose a downturn in the economy. I didn't choose for my spouse to go crazy. I didn't choose for my child to walk away from God. I didn't choose it. But here I am. What do I do when a Goliath picks a fight with me? I either run home and hide and never make an impact. See, there are so many Christians that are, that are right here. They're crippled by their circumstance because they're mad at their giant. They want another person's fight. Friend, I'm sorry that is the fight you were given. But now that you're in it, you must make a choice. Do not die as a victim to your circumstance because you're angry with your fight. See, life is about 10% what happens to us and about 90% our response. <laughs> it just is. Well, I want a better life and you're going to need a better response. <laughs> because life is tough at times. Giants rise. Why? Because I have a destiny. 
Why? Because I have an anointing upon my life. Why? Because God has a plan for me and my family and future generations. So giants pop up to discourage. Giant, giants pop up to intimidate. Giants, I wish I could tell you, pray this prayer, receive Jesus as Lord, you'll never face another giant again. No, friend, that's heaven. But as long as we're here, there's an adversary that's going to stop you. But I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to stand up and fight that devil right in the face because you will get the victory and it will impact the future. Can I get an amen from somebody? I, I'm not trying to yell so much at 8.30, but it's already happening, okay? And the Bible said for 40 days and 40 nights, verse 16, Goliath would go out and he would curse the people of God. The Bible said in verse 23, he would go out with his usual taunts. Every morning and every night, usual taunt. Every morning, every night, usual taunt. Friend, we all have a taunt. See, your giant is a speaking giant. Your enemy is a talking enemy. And every morning when you wake up, he's there to tell you you'll never make it. And every night when you go to bed, he's there to tell you your marriage will not succeed. And every morning when you wake up, that devil's there to tell you you'll never prosper. You'll never break through. That business idea will never happen. There is an enemy and he's a talking enemy that is constantly trying to talk you out of everything God has for you. But see, David rolls up on the scene and he goes, guys, we, we need to do something about this giant. But in verse 25, King Saul says this, have you seen the giant? <laughs> Yo, you heard this guy? You seen him? See, because whatever I look at and listen to <laughs> is shaping my whole life. This is why I have to be careful what I listen to. This is why I have to be careful what I look at consistently because whatever I'm staring at and whatever I'm listening to, the dominant voice in my life and the dominant image in front of me is eventually where my life is going to go. But see, for 40 days and 40 nights, there's Saul just staring at his enemy. David had not been staring at the enemy. David had been staring at God on the backside of a wilderness somewhere, worshiping God, praising God, loving God, praying to God, hearing God. So see, when David walks up to the giant, he goes, yeah, that giant is big, but he's nothing compared to God. Huh. Yeah, that giant's bigger than me, but he's not bigger than God. Yeah, this situation is bigger than me, but it's not bigger than God. So I'm either going to live under the shadow of my giant or I'm going to live under the shadow of the Almighty. Oh. Friend, we got a choice. And David says, I believe we can take this giant down. Let me give you five things I see from the text. There's probably 500. But let me just give you five because I got 21 minutes, not 21 hours. The Bible said in verse 26, David said, who is this Philistine who defies the army of the living God? The first thing you need as you face the giant is a God focus. Friend, you need a God focus. See, before verse 26, Goliath is talking about God's people, and God's people are talking about Goliath, but nobody's talking about God. Friend, it is possible to be a Christian, but forget to bring Christ into your situation. It is possible to go to heaven but never bring heaven into your life. It is possible to know God and love God and be saved but never let God into the equation of your circumstance. David says we need a God focus. We need to bring God into the sea. This is not just a natural issue. This is a spiritual issue. And because it's a spiritual issue, we must bring the Spirit of God 
into it. Because David knew God, David knew that God was concerned. Therefore, he says, we must bring God into it. Friend, I'm just asking you today, get a God focus. Some of y'all got a, you got a boss focus. You have memorized your speech about how terrible your boss is. They're awful. They're haters. They're terrible. Some of you are real spiritual. They're evil. Some of you know the Bible. It's a, it's a Jezebel. He's an antichrist. And I'm glad you know the scripture, friend, but maybe you need to stop with the boss focus. You need a God focus. Hey, God, you said the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. You can turn it any which way you want. God can give you favor with your boss. Instead of talking about your boss, why don't you start praying for your boss? Why don't you start speaking blessing? Maybe you're the person who's going to bring that crazy boss right here into this crazy church with your crazy self, and they're going to get crazy saved. Come on, somebody. Get a, get a God focus. Some of y'all have a, some of y'all have a spouse focus. Just talking about how bad it is. I know it was great on the honeymoon. Easy, fantastic, love and light. Drinking virgin margaritas, amen, in Cancun. Virgin, amen, praise the Lord. <laughs> hallelujah. I'm up here in wine country, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> Everyone's like, Jesus, he's a prophet, Jesus. I knew, Jesus, I need to stop that, Jesus. Oh, it was easy. But this morning, y'all woke up. That alarm went off, and there they were. <laughs> And you, you just want to get that glass of water on your nightstand. And you just want to baptize them in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sin. And just get that sleep apnea devil out of them. Come on, somebody. I mean, it, you, didn't even, you didn't even hear them snoring on the honeymoon. It was great. It was, you were just too happy. And, and here you are five years later. Just listen. Get a God focus. Let me, let me tell you how I know God loves marriage and the devil hates marriage. All you, all you men in here, we can pray about anything. We can pray in the car. Y'all, we're praying for the championship. Jesus, I just rebuke that LeBron spirit. In the nama, you're praying in tongues. You don't even pray in tongues, but you're praying in tongues. I mean, it was like amazing. You were casting out devils. You were rebuking a spirit of Cleveland. You, you can come in here and, and pray. You can come in here, and you got Holy Ghost swag, but all of a sudden, it's time to pray with your wife, and it's like, well, uh, Lord, uh, well, Jesus, well, um, yes, Father God, I just say, Father God, Glory to God, Father God. It's like he knows his name, sir. Lord, Father God, I just thank you, Father God, Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, Father God. It's like, what are we saying? The devil doesn't want you to pray with your spouse. Get a God focus. Maybe tonight, grab their hand. It's going to be awkward as all. But grab their hand in bed and just be like, Lord, bless our marriage. Amen. <laughs> just, just start somewhere. Get a God focus. God's going to tell you some things. God's going to tell some of you repent. God's going to tell others of you forgive. God's going to tell others of you get a date night. Get you a good kiss. A, a good make-out sesh can really help your marriage. I'm talking about married. Amen. All these single interns up here just like, oh, God. Lord, give me a man, Jesus. <laughs> Fellas, take her out on a date. Pull over on a dark road somewhere. Where are we going? We're going to kiss right now. We're going to steam up these windows. Old school. Girl, I'm taking you back to 1978. Here we go. Come on, get a God idea. I'm talking for married people. Amen. Married, 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 married. Get a God.
God-focused friend. When you bring God into the situation, things begin to change. Number two, I am running out of time. Number two, we must have a ridiculous reality. A ridiculous reality. The Bible said in verse 32, David said, don't worry about this Philistine. But in verse 33, Saul says, don't be ridiculous. See, we're either going to be a don't worry people or a don't be ridiculous people. I want to be a don't worry person. I want to be a person who is able to see the possibility in impossible situations. I want to I be the person who can look at Pastor Sean and say, Pastor, this building isn't big enough. We need another service. Pastor, we need more. We need more. We need another campus. And, and another person goes, well, don't be ridiculous. We up here in California, we can't afford another campus. I, I like when the church was small and people were going to hell. Well, listen, I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person that says, yeah, we need bigger buildings. We need more services. We need more campuses. There's millions of people that don't know Jesus right here in our community. Come on, pastor. What do you feel? Let's go. I'll give. I'll pray. I'll serve. Whatever it takes. I'll join the dream team. I'll, I'll go to the grow track. Whatever, it, whatever needs to happen. Don't worry, pastor. I don't want to be a don't be ridiculous person. See, the Bible said, Saul says, don't be ridiculous. You're just the boy. But God said, I found a man. How do you see yourself? Through the eyes of religion that will constantly limit you from everything God has for you? Or through the eyes of the Holy Spirit? See, Saul saw a kid. God saw a king. Saul saw a boy. God saw a man. Come on, let's get a ridiculous reality that sees what God sees and say what God says and does what God does. And the Bible said David persisted. Here is my sermon in a sentence. David knew Goliath was an opportunity, not a death sentence. God bless. No, just kidding. Okay, I'm almost done. <laughs> but that, that's my whole message. He knew Goliath was an opportunity. Friend, your current storm, your current giant, your current trial is not a death sentence from God. It's actually an opportunity to go to the next level. This word Goliath in the Hebrew means to uncover. Hear this, this is powerful. The word Goliath means to reveal, disclose, to make oneself known. See, the giant you are facing is actually revealing that you are bigger on the inside than the situation is on the outside. (laughs) Giants reveal my calling. Giants uncover my gifting. Giants make known my anointing. Giants cause me to discover that greater is he on the inside of me than he that is in the world. This giant is telling on himself and he's revealing the greatness of my God and the power of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of me. This situation is not a death sentence. I will not live in fear. I will not cower back. This is simply an opportunity to see God move. Number three. Number three, you need a miracle memory. A miracle memory. The Bible said that David said, I I fought the lion. See, he took a Holy Ghost history lesson. He said, I fought fought the lion, Saul. And and I fought the bear. And, and, And I can take on this Philistine. Here's why. Because the lion was bigger than me. But he was not bigger than God. 
And the bear was bigger than me, but he was not bigger than God. And the the giant is bigger than me, and he's not bigger than God. And, And by the way, so I have a covenant advantage. See, David starts literally in the Hebrew, starts cussing. And he says this in the Hebrew language, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Like, let's just keep it real. Like, David, why do we got to go there? <laughs> like, <laughs> y'all know anyone who took it too far? You know, it's like, everyone's out there. <laughs> oh, oh, I got to go. You know, y'all ever been there? Listen, that's where David is. He's like, I fought the lion. They're like, yo, let's go. I fought the bear. Yo, let's go. Who's this uncircum? Oh, this is weird. Where are we going here, Dave? <laughs> Circumcision, Old Testament, is a sign of covenant. How many are grateful New Testament baptism? Come on, somebody. (laughs) See, now y'all need to get water baptized. You're like, oh, that's easy. I can do that. (laughs) Old Testament circumcision. Here's what David's saying. He's bigger than me, but he does not have a covenant with God. The lion didn't have a covenant with God. The bear did not have a covenant with God. Uh, Goliath does not have a covenant with God. I'm smaller, but I have the advantage. I'm not as strong, I'm not a mighty warrior, but I have a covenant. And the covenant can take me places that skill and pedigree and training cannot take me. I know I'm unqualified, but the covenant qualifies me. And he, and he, he looks back on his life. Friend, you will either have a miracle memory or a victim mentality. See, you can look back on your life and go, why did I have to fight a lion? Why did I have to deal with that bear? Why did I have to deal with this situation? Why did I have to go through that? And we can look back over our life, and if you're not careful, you'll let the enemy define your story. And you'll let the devil tell your history. And you'll look back over your life, and you'll only see the hardship. And you'll convince yourself you're a victim. But instead, you must look back and see the faithfulness of God. That lion should have killed me. I didn't like fighting him, but thank God God sustained me. That bear should have taken me out. I didn't really like that fight, but I, but I thank God God sustained me. So I look back on my history, and I no longer have a victim mentality. I have a miracle memory. I choose to see the faithfulness of God and say, God has sustained me. God has brought me through. And he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. I'm not a victim I got a miracle memory. Can somebody shout with me at 8.30 real quick? I promise I'll move on, but I feel a praise. Can you look back and see the faithfulness of God? Can you look back and see the grace of God? Can you look back and see the mercy of God? Where would we be? David said, if the Lord was not on our side. He looks back and he sees the victory. You need a miracle memory, friend. Number four. We must have a dedication to our future. As you face a giant and as you face storms, we must be dedicated to our future. Verse 39, Saul finally relents and says, you know what? Okay, David, I guess you can fight him, but you must wear my armor. See, Saul had been rejected in an earlier chapter. God was done with Saul. But now the thing that was rejected by God was trying to get on David. 
And David said, I can't go in these. Because in order to go where God's calling me to go, I must reject what God has rejected. See, Hebrews calls it a weight. Not everything in your life is a sin. Some things are just weights. They just slow you down. And by the way, those weights will eventually become a sin. It's an attitude. It's a spirit. It's a mentality. It's little things that they're not sin yet, but if you keep them on, you'll never be able to go. Married person, if you're in here, you, you don't need to go on Facebook and check up on an ex. Just gonna let this smile just. I just seen if they got fat. No, you don't need to go look. That's a weight. Well, I was just checking up. You don't need to check up. You're married. Check up on your spouse. Check up on your kids. You got enough to check up on. It's a weight. It's a weight. And God says, where I'm taking you, you're gonna have to take some stuff off. Some attitudes and some, some, some stuff that will stop you from the fullness of what I have for you. See, Saul loved David and therefore tried to clothe David. See, we talk a lot about haters and how bad haters are. and Haters, 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 haters. Ah, haters, gonna hate, haters, haters, haters. I was recently on Facebook and this guy was like, if you don't like my post, unfollow me. Haters gonna hate. I'm like, we love you. We don't want to unfollow you. We like you. Why are you saying these things? You know what I mean? Like, like you don't have, most of us in this room don't have haters. We might have like one or two dislikers, but that's like the tops. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't really, hear me. I'm not really concerned about haters. I'm really concerned about lovers. Who, who love me so much, they try to put something on me that isn't God. See, Saul at this point did not hate David yet. He would. But at this point, Saul loved David. Saul had a plan for David's life. It just wasn't God's plan. And David said, I cannot go in these. See, every time I talk to my mom on the phone, every time I talk to her, she goes, Ay, mijo. When are you moving home, mijo? And home means Belen, New Mexico, population 1,700 people, where there are more dairy cows than humans. And I love my mom. I was born and raised in a, in, a, in a trailer, in a trailer park. I love it. I'm not ashamed of my past. I love my past. Uh, my, my wife's family still lives in a, in a trailer, in a trailer park. You got no shame. One of their neighbors, their whole trailer just blew up. It was a meth lab. Amen. I mean, I, I, some of y'all watch Breaking Bad. I don't. I fast and pray. But if you do, I mean, that's where we live. <laughs> I mean, that's just our, that's where we're from. See, and, and, and I go, well, mom, I actually, I am home. <laughs> yeah, but mijo, move home. I want to see my baby. I know, but mom, I, but I'm home. See, my mom loves me. And has a wonderful plan for my life. <laughs> it's just not God's plan. Not, not because I'm better than Belen. Not because I'm better than that life. God's just taking us on a different journey. Hear me, friend. You can't go in everything that people are going to try to put on you. You've got to have such a dedication to your future. 
You're willing to reject what God is rejecting so you can take on what God wants to put on you. Number five, number five, and I'm done. We must have a radical faith. A radical faith. A a radical faith. The Bible said in verse 47, David began to walk up to Goliath and he said this, Goliath, I just need to tell you something because your giant is a talker and the people of God must be talkers. (laughs) Your giant is speaking and we must learn how to speak. We just got to learn how to say the right thing. And David rose up on the, on the devil. He rose up on Goliath. He rose up on the enemy of his soul. And he says, you need to know this. This is the Lord's battle. Huh? This ain't my fight. <laughs> I didn't choose this fight. I didn't pick this fight. I didn't know I was going to wake up and have to deal with this fight. So here's what I know. This isn't my fight. This is God's fight. He says, he says Goliath... This is the Lord's battle. When the doctor gives you that report, you just hold it up to God and you say, this is the Lord's battle. When stuff starts to hit your family, you say, God, this is your battle. When things don't turn out the way you thought they were going to turn out, you get a radical faith. And you say, this isn't my fight. This is God's fight. Goliath, this is the Lord's battle. And here's the next part. And he will give you to me. I didn't choose this fight, but if I'm in this fight, that means God's in this fight. And if God's in this fight, he even has a better record than Money Mayweather. He's never lost. He's not going to start with you. I might be facing a giant, but this is the Lord's battle. I got a radical faith, not in who I am, but in who he is. And he will give me the victory. Can I hear an amen from somebody? Hallelujah. Please be seated. You're scaring the new people. The Bible says, so, 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 so here's what I know, here's what I know. So that means I don't fight for victory, I fight from victory. I don't fight from the losing side trying to win. I fight from the winning side simply establishing what God has already done. So the Bible says it like this, Romans 8, 32. Since God did not spare His Son, won't He give us everything else see the Lord who rescued me on the cross if God did not spare his son giving us Jesus his greatest gift on the cross crucified buried and raised from the dead if God did not spare his greatest gift won't he give us everything else the Lord who rescued me won't he rescue me from this situation the Lord who rescued you will rescue you Because if he's already given you his best, won't he give you everything else? August 4, 2006, Norman Chambers walked Shannon Chambers down a center aisle and I met them at an altar. And the preacher said, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And he said, I do. And in that moment, he gave his greatest gift, his child. Fast forward 10 years. I had Christmas Eve services. We flew in Christmas morning. I was tired. I was hungry. And we're Mexican. I was craving tamales. Come on, somebody, because that's how you do it on Christmas. Amen. And if you don't know about that life, learn about that life, because it will bless your life. And I I walk in the house, and I do not knock. And I walk right into the kitchen, and I do not ask permission. 
I just open the fridge and I start taking stuff out. See, I didn't say, uh, 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 Norm, um, is it okay if I have a tamale? No, but here's why. Because he already gave me his best. He already gave me his best. So if he gave me his child, can he not give me some provision? If he gave me his greatest gift, cannot, can he not feed my belly? <laughs> Listen, if God gave you Jesus, can he not give you healing? Can he not release a miracle? Can he not help your marriage? Can he not save your child? Can he not give you a promotion? Can he not take you to the next level? If God did not spare his son, won't he give us everything else? The Lord who rescued me going to rescue me. So first I speak to every Christian in this room. I declare a miracle in your life. I don't know what you're facing. and I know it's bigger than you. But it's not bigger than God. My wife and I hopped in a U-Haul three weeks ago. And we're looking at a city. Of over two million people. I don't know how to reach it. I don't know what to do. It's bigger than me. I've never been a pastor. I'm a preacher. I roll in, scream, and I roll out. Now I got to, it's bigger than me. But it's not bigger than God. Listen, listen. It might be bigger than you. But in the name of Jesus, it's not bigger than God. And I say, this is the Lord's battle. And he will give you the victory in Jesus' name. Number two, I want to pray for you, sir. I want to pray for you, ma'am. If you do not know Jesus, if the Lord has never rescued you, I just ask you maybe just in a moment of privacy, could you close your eyes? It may be even just in a moment of, God, I'm open, just maybe even bow your head a little bit to just say, yeah, Lord, what are you saying to me right now? If you're in this room today, I don't know how you got here. I don't know who brought you. I don't know who dragged you here. I don't know how you ended up here. But you're here today and you say, Jabin, the Lord has never rescued me. Jesus has never saved me. Or maybe you would say, Jabin, you know, at one time I was serving God. I loved God. I walked with God and I've, I've fallen away, man. I've, I've got, I got in all kind of stuff. Maybe it was because of a trial. Maybe it was because of a temptation. But you've walked away from God. And tonight you're saying, today you're saying, I'd like to come back to Jesus. You know who you are, your heart's pounding, your, your stomach's turning, your, your, your mind is racing. You're saying, is the preacher talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. The Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart saying, let's do this thing. And you're in this room right now and you say, Jabin, I need Jesus for the very first time or I need to come back to God with your eyes closed and your head bowed and God's dealing with your heart. Jabin, I want to place my faith in Jesus and what Jesus has done for me. I want you to pray this prayer right now. The Bible says if you'll call on his name, you will be saved. Pray this prayer. And everyone around you is going to pray it with you because we're going to encourage you. Say, Jesus, I call upon your name. I believe you died for me. You took my place on the cross. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose from the dead. Forgive me of all my sin rescue me change my life from the inside out 
I make you Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Just with your head bowed for one more moment, if you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Here's why. Because I believe as you do, it's going to be like a breath of fresh air. It's going to be like the psalmist said, God, you took the weight off my shoulder. Can you just raise your hand right now? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go, ahead. go, 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 go. All, all over, all over, all over, all over. So many. I don't know how to, I couldn't count if I tried. Just one more moment, not to me, to God. I pray for every hand that's raised right now. I pray for you, ma'am. I pray for you, sir. So many hands. And I pray in the name of Jesus, you'd never forget today. You'd never forget June 25th, 2017, the day Jesus saved you, the, the day Jesus found you, and the day your whole story was rewritten. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.